0: There, We'll know who chucked a rock on whose head or who did what. Um, I, I don't really need to um, explain a little bit uh, anymore on what our sub-theme is or what our theme is. We've said that a couple of times now and it's up there. <clears throat> and we draw, drew straws and, and I was uh, drew straws and the head thing, the knowledge thing, which I actually really like. Um, you know, we're talking about the head, the hands, the heart, and the hands, because they are the three pillars, if you like, or the three things that that um, that we build our faith on. The three responses, or the three ways that we interact with God and and the kingdom as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should look at each of these things because each of these things really matters. And the next, you know, I encourage you to be here next month and the month after for heart and hands as well. Um, but today we're going to have just bit of a tilted focus on the head and knowledge. Because knowledge matters. And I think we kind of get that in most areas of our life, don't we? That it really uh, makes a difference if we know stuff. Engaging our head is really important. Passion's good. Um, being really passionate about something's really good. Um, being interested in something is really good. Um, having experience of something or, or you know, a really great moment of something is really good feelings are good and they all matter but what if you had those things but you didn't have any knowledge what if it was just those things experience is king these days isn't it you know um, feelings and experience is is the the measuring stick you know when I was writing so I was thinking of that ad I don't know if you've seen that ad on tv but they still still feeling it anyone seen that ad you know, and, and all sorts of things happen, but he's still feeling it. Like the feeling is the thing that matters, even if things fall apart. And experience um, is the world's measuring stick, and perhaps even in evangelical circles. In evangelical circles and church circles, the um, experience, connection, feeling, stimulation, emotion are also really important, and things that we focus on quite strongly. We want some knowledge, we acknowledge that. You know, we want to know about salvation. We want to know that we're saved. We'd love to have that knowledge. We, we, we want to know about eternity. And, and we love that scripture. You know, how many, how many times in your life have you heard that scripture, I know the plans I have for you? We love knowing that scripture, don't we? Because that knowledge is kind of comforting. It sort of feeds those feelings and that sense, that, um, that stimulation. We are passionate too, and we're even enthusiastic We're enthusiastic for those feelings. We love the movement. We love the stories of amazing things. We want it to touch and move our hearts. We want to experience and live it even more even. And they're all really good things. But could it even be better? Could it even be deeper? Could it even be more satisfying? Could it be greater? There you go. (laughs) Hey, got it in there. If we understood more, would it be even better if we knew more? Would those experiences, with those moments, with those emotions, those feelings, those would they be even better if we knew more? You know, Bible study and discussing knowledge of the word and, and deep, you know, late night discussions about scripture, about who drove a spike through whose head You know, in a Bible, that's not sexy anymore in the church. But could it be really better if we did look at that sort of stuff? We operate sometimes, or I do, and I don't know what you're like, but on just enough. You know, just have enough knowledge. Just have a little bit of knowledge at times, you know, and and operate on that and think, oh, I'm comfortable with that. You know, we know that no knowledge is pretty disastrous. But what if just a little bit of knowledge is pretty dangerous as well? You know, I'm um, I, I didn't bring this in just to protect it from the water. You know that most of you know that I'm I love my motorbike. I love it's a great feeling, it's a great experience. I'm a motorcycle evangelist, you know, and I love it. Sue and I get out on it and, and I love the feeling, I love the emotions, I love the freedom that comes with it. I, I, I love to ride it. Um it's it's a great thing to do. And so I tell people about it, and I want to tell people I'm passionate about it, I'm keen. Um, And so I tell people about it. And one of the people I've told about is Sabrina. And Sabrina, since she's been in our life, she's got to hear the motorbike stories. And she's been one of the, you know, soft carpets here is soft in more ways than just carpets. He won't get on the back of the motorbike with me either, you know, so. But his tough wife will. And she actually loves it, you know. And she gets on there, and, and I've been telling her, and she gets, she gets excited about it. She gets all g up when gets the gear on, and gets Sue's gear, and gets on the back of the bike, and, and I thought, you know what, I'm a, a motorbike evangelist, I've got her passionate about it, I've had her experience it, I thought it's time for her to do it herself. Alright? So I thought tonight would be a good night to get her on the bike, and get her a ride. What do you think? Who's up for that? Yeah. Even soft carpets said yeah, you know, so so come on up here and, and just go, hop on and, and off you go and, and just just be careful about, you know, those plants and that sort of stuff there, can you? Yeah, can you? When we hop on. yeah, go, you're excited aren't you, you're passionate about it, you know, you've been on it, you know what it's like, what it feels like and, yeah, I've been on it, but yeah go on, not go on, you. go on, just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right, should we take well, it off the stand and, and let you go? I don't know. Do you know how to start it? Why don't you start it? I have no idea. <laughs> I actually never paid okay, attention. Okay, just motor- turn that key, turn that key, turn that key with one click that way. I'm going, to tell, I'm going to tell you how to start it. I'll give you a bit of knowledge, okay? All right. Now, that press that button. Yeah, the starter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, you're set. She's set to go, right? Okay, No, that's the accelerator. Just twist that a bit to, to make it go. You've got to give me a bit more than that. Come on, go on. Just, just go. There you go. All right. So off you go. Go around, and if you want to take someone with you, you can go. I think I, think I need a little bit more uh, bit more guidance than that. I might take out the windows. Oh, Okay. So, okay, you can turn it off then, because it's going to stink in here if we're the other way. That's it. She's actually a little more excited than I thought she would be. She's not going to get off it now. Did anyone get a picture that for the group? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. Now, obviously the lesson there is you can be excited and enthusiastic about something. And I could give her a little bit of knowledge like starting it. But it would be pretty dangerous if we let her take it off the stand and take it around the building. You probably would be good do well to run, you know. Um, a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. And knowledge is pretty important. I am really enthusiastic about it. I love it. But what makes the experience for me even better when I ride is I know something about it. I know a bit about it. I know how to ride it. I know how to balance it. It's really heavy. I know that if you stop... It's likely to fall over. Movement with a heavy thing means you don't fall over. And that's what makes the experience of motorcycle riding for me so much better because I know something about it. Could we be missing out on something because we lack knowledge? Or worse, could we be causing something? I want to have a quick look at a scripture and, and I think we're going to pop it up there. In, in, and, and it's a bit, it's a. I thought since Sabrina was going into all these obscure questions, we go into an obscure book. We'll look at Hosea. Some of you might know the prophet um, Hosea and how God worked with him. But there's this really interesting section in Hosea chapter 4. And follow it along with me because t- this is about knowledge. And it's headed in my Bible. It says, The Lord accuses Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. For the Lord has a contra- controversy with the inhabitants of land. Well, I've never had a controversy with somebody, but anyway, he's got a controversy with these people, with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. They're swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Yet let no one contend and let no one accuse. For with you it's my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day. The prophet also shall stumble with you by night. And I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you've forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Wow. Okay. (laughs) What's what God says? God has an issue with his people here. In the text, he uses the word controversy. God has an issue, an accusation against his people. And he says there's three things. There's a lack of faithfulness, a lack of love, and no knowledge of God. In the original language, this knowledge of God isn't just knowing of him. Oh, guess what? There's a God. The old language said meant the knowledge all about him, about his ways, about his, and, and in this thing I was reading, his wise. Isn't that interesting? We don't often talk about that, but the, the knowledge of about him, all about him, his ways, but also his wise, his what's and his how's. There's much more than just the knowledge of him in, this, in, in the original text. And the lack of knowledge, what's happening? What's it causing? Just read read verse 2. What's happening because there's no knowledge in the land? Swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery, breaking all bounds and bloodshed. Things don't look great, do they? Very, very different from our world, right? Or maybe not. And what's going to happen? Read the next verse. This is so, so consequential. What's going to happen? So therefore, the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Things are going to go pear-shaped. Not good. Even creation itself, animals and everything. So God's saying, I've got a problem with you guys you know, you, there's a lack of knowledge, and because of and so all sorts of stuffs happening in society, and because of that, this is what the result's going to be. He's talking about three things, but knowledge gets the focus here as the cause for the misery. His issues with the priests, isn't it? The teachers and the leaders who've not done their job. Listen up, us leaders. Read verse six. What does he say in verse six? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. Rejected it as necessary. If we were to read on, if you read on in verse 7, if you went on, you'd see that God sees this as an increasing problem. And he says things like, the more they increase, the more they sin. So the more people there, there's more availability of sin. And it just grows and grows. The more that people don't have the knowledge of him, the more sin and the more evil increases. So where do we place um, knowledge in importance? Where do we... uh, how much do we give emphasis to need to know? We're in an age where everything's instant. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to study for it. You don't have to do much at all. We just want the experience. We just want things to go well. Um, just point me in the right direction. Give me the instructions. Or if your guy don't even read the instructions, just see if the thing works. And if it doesn't work, get your wife to read the instructions. Right? You know, I think of the elections. We, you know, who knew that there was elections yesterday? I have talked to a bunch of people about the election, a bunch of young people and a bunch of people about the elections. And every person says, you know, I really want to have a good country. We want to have a good country. We want to have a good, you know, and whatever their issue might be, we'd like to have a good country. We'd like a Christian country. We'd like to to see that there's fairness and all this sort of stuff in a country. But if I ask the average person, what do you know about politics? What do you know about the parties? What do you know about their policies? I get this. Right? From 90% of people. Yet we want a good political leadership. We want a good political experience. we a good, good. Knowledge matters, doesn't it? You're going to the voting booth and you get that big white page. Anyone notice that that big white page doesn't even fit the booth? You know, so you're going up the wall like this and then up the wall like, you know? Anyone have that, you know? And I'm thinking, we're voting with pencil and I can talk to my wife from Uganda. Why can't we just press a button so we want him or her? But anyway, what if you went into the booth and you just looked at it all and you thought, I have no idea. Oh, look, shooters and fishers. Sounds good. Oh, pro-marijuana. Not so good. Or whatever it might be. If you voted for that, please don't put your hand up. (laughs) Knowledge matters. What about when it comes to faith and as followers of Christ? We see this sort of stuff re- reflected in the evangelical world too. We like the idea of God. We like the idea of Jesus. We like the idea of salvation. We like the idea of the power that comes through the Holy Spirit. We love miracles and, and the security and everything that comes with this, this, this experience of God. We like the idea of belonging too, don't we? But it could mean belonging to something that's seen by society as increasingly negative, old-fashioned, politically incorrect, and at times it's, it's actually uncomfortable when we're challenged on it. You know, when you get into a conversation with your friends or, or a non-Christian setting where people start challenging you on faith and challenging on some of the things that, that churches stand for, the kingdom stands for, and we don't actually know what to say or how to defend the gospel. Anyone ever been in that place? I have. Except for Pastor Glenn Decker because he won the thing. What happens when church leaders, pastors and teachers decide that knowledge and teaching scriptures is not as important? It's not important to harp on it. It's not important to challenge our people, our young people, to dig into it. Just make sure that church is a good experience, that life groups and that our our communities are just a good experience and, and God gets a Guernsey and you'll feel good about being part of it. What if we just try to make sure that everyone expectations get met and people feel good. See, we grow and we can grow to like a church experience that's fun, vibrant, engaging, socially aware, trendy, uh, on trend, on point, an Instagrammable church. We love that, don't we? You look at me, I'm on a motorbike in a church service. You know? but we're really less enthusiastic, aren't we, about a quiet service with the bulk of the time spent explaining and understanding the word, how it works and how it applies to our life. That's less exciting, isn't it? Try putting that on the flyer for the state youth service or youth service. Guess what? We're just going to be taking about 45 minutes, spending the bulk of our time explaining and understanding the word. Who wants to come? It's true, isn't it? You know, we get that, he preached for 40 minutes. Oh. Gee, that was longer to do something about our services. You've never heard that here. Yet in our reading, it points out that knowledge is really important, doesn't it? Here's just a couple of reasons why I think knowledge is... There's a stack of reasons and you can probably think of a bunch while I'm talking, but here's just a couple of reasons why I think knowledge matters, why it's important. The first thing is, without knowledge, we can't truly see who Jesus is. We can't truly know him. We don't recognize him. And we don't see who we are. And it has the ability to change us, and like nothing else can. That's the first thing. Without it, we can't really see who Jesus is and who we are, and what happens when we do understand that. And the second thing is, because of that, our lives become more effective and fruitful. You know, recently, just after Easter, I spoke on um, just one of the services or two of the services after Easter, I'm not sure. I spoke on Luke 24. If you were here, you might remember we talked about the road to Emmaus, the two guys that were on the road to Emmaus. And where Jesus shows up, um, and in that same story, Jesus shows up to his disciples after the resurrection. So you've got the guys on the road to Emmaus, and then he shows up in the room where the um, 11 are sitting. And the two guys on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize Jesus as he walked with them. You all know that story. Um, And they were sad, they were defeated, that the whole Jesus thing, the whole Messiah and new king thing, it's all over. And I talked a little bit about that. They clearly didn't know what the plan was, yet they'd been part of the crew. Think about it. They didn't know what the plan was, but they'd been to church. Think about that. They didn't recognize Jesus yet. They'd been to church for goodness knows how long. What does Jesus do? He doesn't say, ta-da, it's me, miracle, you know, and opens their eyes. He goes back through the scriptures. He explains how the scriptures reveal him. He grows their knowledge so that they can recognize him, not just physically, recognize him as the Messiah. See, know of is not know. Know of God is not no. And when he appears to the leaven, he does the same thing. It says in the scripture that he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He gave them knowledge for a really important purpose. Here's what I said then, and I meant it then and I mean it now. And I thought i will just summarize it and put it on a slide. Here's what I said back then. This is why teaching, learning and reading the word, Old and New Testament are so important. Scripture gives a testimony of who Jesus is and he uses it today to open our eyes and the eyes of those that don't know him. People try to retell who Jesus is. They might say he's one of many ways to get to heaven. They'll say he was a good man, a great prophet, a good teacher, or a rebel who defied the Roman authorities. But outside of a knowledge of the scripture, we will never have a proper understanding of who Jesus is. When you know the scriptures, they build your faith. And only through faith can you come to Jesus. The truth of Scripture about Jesus leads to a personal faith in Jesus. Think reading the Bible or delving into it with each other isn't important? Well, think again. Because for the disciples, this led to their eyes finally being opened. It was what Jesus used to reveal himself. The power of knowledge, the power of Scripture. It's so important. So important for them then and so important for us now. Scripture reveals Jesus to us. He shows us It shows us who Jesus is, who he really is and what he did. Opens up, expands our knowledge and opens up our mind for who God is. We all want to see Jesus. We sing it in songs. It appears in every second or third evangelical song. We want to see Jesus. We want to see his work in our lives. We want to know him more. We want to know him better. I could be writing a song here. We want to know more clearly. But clearly, knowledge and understanding of the word is the key to recognizing Jesus, isn't it? In our lives and in the world around us. We don't see him because we don't know him. And it can change us too. Just knowing and understanding. Knowledge can change us. That was the second thing I talked about. Pure knowledge and understanding can have a profound effect. It can even be emotive. I used this quote in the same message that I was speaking. It was about, it was a. A time there was a there's a story of Charles Wesley who was a already an evangelist and already a preacher and a follower of God and and a teacher and um he one, one evening he was he was he was invited or asked to come to a um um a church service or a prayer where they would be um what they're going to be doing they were going to be talking about and explaining um Luther's work uh, they were going to read luther's work explaining romans okay now that's pretty dry isn't it so luther had done all this work explaining the book of romans if you know what romans is like it's the longest sentences would an english teacher would go crazy and this this night this prayer meeting was someone reading luther's work on explaining romans so you can understand that charles wesley was a little reluctant to go master chef was on there's lots of other things a bit reluctant to go This is what he says. I think the quote's up there, yeah. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. There was no evangelist up there. There was no great examples of motorbikes or... You know, there was no fancy emotive. Thing. It was just reading the work of Romans. And something happened in Charles Wesley's heart. Strangely. Have you ever been somewhere where your heart was strangely warm? And that can be by the Holy Spirit, too, by the way. But have you ever been somewhere where someone's explaining something you think, man, that's, I get it. That makes a lot of sense. And wow. Have you ever, have, was that just me? Has the power to change us? Second thing I said in our lives, our lives become more effective and fruitful. And that's what we want, right? We want to be fruitful. We want to be effective. How does it do that? Jesus also told the disciples to wait. What did he tell the disciples to wait for? Starts with a H and finishes with irrit. Huh? Holy Spirit, he... he I'm just trying to get you to engage, see if you're still with me. Why? Why did he say wait for the Holy Spirit? Well, John 16 gives us a clue. In John 16, he said, The Holy Spirit will lead you into all. Anyone want to finish that off? Truth. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit because I'm going to send you the Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth, will lead you into knowledge, will expand your mind. Before you head out and disperse this truth, before I send you out to to take my message to the world, the knowledge of me to the world, I'm going to make sure that you have the power to keep learning, to increase in knowledge and understanding. That Holy Spirit does the same for you and me. Leads us into all truth leads us through the word into the knowledge of God and leads us into truth, leads us into understanding Jesus, who he was, who he is and what he's about. There's a power resident in us, in you and I, that motivates us and pushes us to the truth, to the knowledge that we need living in us. The Holy Spirit was given to us to lead us into truth. Um, there's this really interesting, and, and you'll know this scripture, and I'll, I'll put it up there. There's 2 Peter 1, verse 1 to 10. It's pretty telling right at the, at, at the, well actually, I probably want to start it from verse 3. Am I starting it from verse 3 there? Yes, I am. Okay, so this is how he starts off. This is what Peter starts off. He says, his divine power, We've talked about, that's that starting with H, finishing with Irrit, Holy Spirit. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. So that's how he kicks it off. That's what he says. We've been given the Holy Spirit and we've got everything we need for a godly life through our, godly life through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the, in the world, caused by evil desires. For this reason, okay, so because we understand, we're growing in knowledge the Holy Spirit's given us, leading us into all truth, we're understanding Jesus. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. And he finishes off, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever doesn't have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they're being cleansed from their past sins. It's so clear. You know, we have the Holy Spirit and that's an amazing thing to celebrate. But it's the power to grow in knowledge. It's, the, it's, the, it's who reveals Scripture to us as we dig into Scripture, as we try to understand it. He tells us, and Peter tells us right at the start, what's the motivator? His divine power through our knowledge of Him. Leads us into truth. Heart and emotion, experience and action are key to our life with Christ and for Him. But without knowledge the knowledge that the Holy Spirit leads us to, these things alone lack the power to change us, to change our lives, because the foundation isn't there. You, know, you learn stuff, you have these experiences, but what about tomorrow? What about the next day? You, the experience is gone. What is it based on? It's understanding who Jesus is, that lingering sense, that fragrance of Christ that's left behind in us. Paul said in Romans 12 that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds, our thinking, that it changes us, that it transforms us, that it it makes us different, it grows us. Knowledge opens our eyes to Jesus and his work. It makes us effective in our walk with him but also in our lives in general. It's worth understanding the word and growing in knowledge. It's worth the effort to understand It's worth the effort to get towards those aha moments when we understand something. It's worth scratching below the surface, you know, going beyond a little bit of knowledge. Remember, a little bit of knowledge is pretty dangerous. If I put the stand down and said, you know how to start it and how to rev it, off you go. Most of us would do well to run, like I said, because a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. It's worth scratching below the surface and really understanding Jesus and deepening our knowledge. You know, in our first reading in Hosea, God's people were feeling the effects of not being taught, not growing in knowledge. And it was affecting all of their society and it was changing things and it was not good. I suspect that our world's doing the same. But it doesn't have to be true for us, does it? We have the Word. We have the Word where Jesus and salvation is revealed. We have opportunities to be part of a church and churches where the Word gets a good focus And we can choose to engage with that. Sometimes, some days better than others. We have life groups that are more than social gatherings. One Hope, we consciously make life groups about much more than social gatherings because they're places of knowledge where knowledge can grow, where an exchange of ideas and and a deepening and understanding scriptures can grow. We have mentors and people who will disciple us so that you can grow in knowledge too. So head heart, hands, they all matter. What the head thinks and knows or imagines, the heart follows, and that's followed up by actions with our hands. Just a sneak peek as we look ahead. So I think knowledge is sexy. I think it does make a difference. And I can, you know, I've I've had stories where someone's expounded something and they've read scripture that I've read a hundred times before. It just changed my moment because all of a sudden the truth was revealed. It's worth it. It really is worth it. I want to take, I want to pop those, um, that second slide of that Peter reading back up. And I'd like to just give you a moment. I know that we're, um, you know, the, the restaurant's coming soon. But I would like you to have a look at that and, and just understanding what Peter said right at the start, that, that his divine power, that's resident in you and me. The Holy Spirit lives in me and lives in you and that his divine power is, is the power that drives us and, and leads us into knowledge. And I want you to have a look at these things. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, Perseverance, godliness, and the godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. You know, what, if anything, maybe it's all of them, where would the Holy Spirit place his finger on you that you need to grow in? Do I need to grow in knowledge? Is it, is it faith or goodness? Is it self-control? Is it perseverance? What's an area that the Holy Spirit would say to you, you know what, that'd be a good place for you to grow at the moment. We all have them. You know, it's not just going to be those poor few in here, those suckers in here that have problems. We all need to grow. But I wonder if we spend a moment and we're going to do that and you just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, highlight one. If I was seeing that in my mind, I would see this self-control sort of jump out. What jumps out for you? What might God be speaking to you about working on? I want to give us just a minute or two, just to close your eyes, or if you can't remember them, look at the screen. Just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal something to you, okay? And um, if you're open, just turn to one or two of the people next to you and perhaps just sort of say, you know what, this is an area that I reckon I could grow in and you can pray that over me. And, you know, just pray for each other really quickly, just shortly, just say, you know, God, you know, I just want to pray for Andrew that self-control, that you just work in his life so that that would grow in the next season. Just something like that, something simple. Um, If you're comfortable, share with each other and and pray. I'll just give you a couple of minutes for that. And I think we're going to close off. Is that right? Yeah. Heavenly Father, we um, thank you that... um, You've shown us yourself and your son through your word that you've given us um, such a rich treasure chest of information and knowledge of who you are that's empowered by the spirit that you, that you um, sent us, that, that lives in us, that reveals the truth to us. Lord, we thank you that when we sing or when we pray, we want to know you more. We can do that because of what you've given us. Lord, we pray for, for the passion to, to know you more, to increase. We pray, Lord, for um, our, our desire to understand and to know your word so that we can know you better, for that to increase. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in our lives to motivate us, that divine, your divine power in us that opens our eyes to see you. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for scripture. Thank you for for people that that you've taught many things that we can learn from. Thank you for faithful churches, for life groups, for mentors, coaches, people that have built into our lives, for all the things you use to grow our knowledge. Give us a hunger and a passion. In Jesus' name, amen.